Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You could also join me in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. And if you're listening after the live broadcast and you want to leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., you can always leave your uh, comments at the show thread at liberaldan.com or facebook.com slash liberal dan or at liberal dan radio on twitter Um, before we get to the rest of the show this week's headlines a whistleblower who raised concerns over trump's communication with ukraine officials is scheduled to speak before congress on thursday most news agencies focused on the complaint itself fox news on the other hand reported that the white house raised concerns that the whistleblower is supporting one of trump's political rivals because, of course, they did. Trump is alleged to have pressured the president of Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to instigate or investigate a political rival, Joe Biden. Not Donald. He would never ask a foreign government to assist him in winning an election, would he? <clears throat> Donald Trump UK, otherwise known as Boris Johnson, just lost another battle. He is a his suspending of Parliament was unlawful, according to the United Kingdom Supreme Court. It must be nice to have a Supreme Court that isn't custom-built for the leader of the country. In Israeli election news, Likud has 32 seats, one less than Blue and White's 33. However, the Likud bloc has 55 votes, one more than the White and Blue bloc. Neither party has 61 needed for a viable coalition. The ultra-Orthodox United Torah Party, United Torah Judaism Party, who stands with the Kud, lost the vote because of voter fraud. I guess the ultra-religious conservatives like to cheat in elections over there as well. As it turns out, uh, President Rivlin uh, has enabled Benjamin Netanyahu to have the first opportunity to try and build a coalition government. So things might not be as good as they appear if he is able to do so. In sports news, Antonio Brown has become the first NFL player to have jerseys for three different teams on sale on the half-price rack. Now he's being sued by his condominium for furniture-throwing incidents. Doesn't look like anybody will be finding out what Brown can do for them anytime soon. Maybe there'll be room in the XFL for him. In science news, a New Hampshire woman is facing new few options as her body rejects her face transplant. I just wish our country would reject the asshole transplant that we received in January 2017. And that is this week's headlines. Now, earlier, a long time ago, back when I was doing the show regularly before this stint, uh, I used to do a segment called Tweet of the Week. And I would, you know, look at Twitter and see if I would find any good tweets and I would add them to the list, and lo and behold, there would be the Tweet of the Weekend. I hadn't done it in a while. However, I did decide that uh, this would be a good week to start uh, because Natasha Rothwell, uh, she posted, I think it's at Natasha Rothwell on Twitter, 
Uh, Trump was complaining about how Pelosi or the people were just attacking him or whatever. I forget his tweet it was. But she goes, I guess you could say Pelosi moved on you like a bitch. So there you go. That's That was good enough for me to be Tweet of the Week this week. Maybe next week we'll have different Tweeter of the Week as well. So let's go ahead and uh, just take the first commercial break early. And we'll start talking about, I'll do the, the words of redneck wisdom, and we'll discuss the impeachment inquiry, take your calls as well, 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Again, to join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Now, again, after the first uh, commercial break, I do like to go into uh, what I like to call is words of redneck wisdom. Now, Again, remember, if you're new listening to the program, I do not endorse the ideas that are spoken about in Words of Redneck Wisdom. I just like picking on them. And again, I have, for the last several weeks, been focusing on one specific website. And without further ado... And now, this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. When it's spring in the South, farmers till their fields. And when people think about farming in the Old South and the Confederate States of America, they usually think of cotton. But prior to the War for Southern Independence, the cash value of the South's hogs and cattle was greater than the value of the cotton crop. Very few Southerners were engaged in plantation farming. Most were herdsmen who ran their livestock on the South's open range. Their lifestyle was destroyed by Yankee invaders, and in the aftermath of the invasion, white Southerners joined former slaves in a new system of slavery, sharecropping. You have just heard more words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Now, you know, hearing somebody being an apologist for springtime for the South and specifically springtime in the South, I, I just reminded of this. And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. 
I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessary because things are happening that are not good, but the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. So you kind of leading in with a look at all this stuff we do for you, Ukraine. I mean, you know, we we, we do all this wonderful. We're we're much better to you than Europe. We we're we're a much better country to you than any of the your neighbors. And then he goes, I would like for you to do it. I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot. And Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you, blah, 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 blah. And so then he – and then eventually at some point he does – he's going to have Barr talk to him. He's going to have Giuliani talk to him. And um, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you could do with the attorney general would be great. Okay, so you ever watch Office Space? If you haven't, you should watch Office Space. It's a good movie. But I could just picture, like, you know, his boss, you know, if you could come in Sunday or Saturday, that would be great. Now, there's no – it's not really him demanding it, but he's demanding it. Whatever you could do with the attorney general would be great. So people, conservatives tend to not understand the idea of, of an implied threat. When you go and you say, you know what? I've done all these great things for you. Look at all these wonderful things that we've done for you. We would like you to do something for us. We would like you to do this. Now, what? if you just wanted him to do you a solid, if you just wanted him to, uh, excuse me, if you just wanted him just do you a favor and without any threat of retribution or whatever, then why bring up all of the great stuff that we do? Because that's, that's the implied threat. Hold on. We got, we got someone in the chat room, Vorpalbite. He says, uh, what's the point of the talking? What's the end result he's trying for? Uh, maybe can you expand on that? And then I'll come back to that uh, in, a, in a few. Um, and I'll, and I'll answer your question when maybe it's a little more clear. Anyway, so so you have and this document's available online. You can read the whole thing, and there's a lot of fluff and you know kissing you know the, the other president kissing our president's butt. I'm sure Trump really likes that a lot. Um, and you know at the end, congratulations on the fantastic job you've done. The whole world was watching. I'm not sure it was so much of an upset, but congratulations. Blah 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 blah. So. Again, the conservatives don't understand the idea of an implied threat. Just like the conservatives, you know, when I talked about in the headlines, that the, the, the thing that Fox News focused on was, was not that there was a whistleblower, but that the whistleblower, like, went to uh, a Democratic attorney. That it was through an attorney that uh, I think Biden or maybe some other person had used in the past as if attorneys – always represent people who they always, that they agree with. You know, a lot of times, that's really defense attorneys. Defense attorneys defend people they don't agree with all the time. But, you know, you, you look at the, you know, the election with Bush versus Gore and the two attorneys that opposed each other in that election uh, took on the the um, I think it was the gay marriage ban. I think that was it. I think that's that was the case. They were because they worked together on a case after being rivals. What's the end result? He is trying for. Are you talking about Trump? Purple bite. It's like what's the point of all the talking? With what's the end result he's trying for? I just don't get it. Um, I mean, with Trump, I think you know he's trying to get 
uh, foreign, ha- uh, foreign help, other people to do his dirty work for him and to try and dig up, dig up things on Joe Biden because he's afraid of Joe Biden. Uh, Attorney General should be cleaning up the swamp, not having tea with Ukraine. Well, I mean, Donald Trump said he was going to replace the swamp, but he uh, he uh, did he replaced it with a swampier swamp. So I, I can't you know when I don't think anybody with actually believed that Donald Trump was going to clean the swamp. I, I think he it was clear with who he was surrounding himself with that it was just, that it was just going to be more of the same, if not worse. Um, and and I, I have no problem with with. Donald Trump and you know whoever the president is, Republican or Democrat, you should be having conversation with, with conversations with foreign leaders and working together. But it should be working together on the betterment of the our countries and not working together to defeat a political rival. And you know a lot of people complain about well, there's a you know first of all, there's a lot of problems with everybody fails to understand impeachment. First of all. Uh, called and listened to a radio show earlier today, where the conservative was talking about how there's, there's they're never they're never going to impeach because they don't have the votes in the Senate. Like, well, that's not impeachment means it goes to the Senate. Impeachment doesn't mean it actually convicts. You convict on the articles of impeachment. And then the host and him were both talking about the idea that Mitch McConnell could potentially do something uh, to prevent impeachment once it gets to the Senate. But when it gets to the Senate, if it's the impeachment of the president, it is the chief justice of the Supreme Court who runs the process, not the Senate majority leader, not the Senate president. It's the kind of obviously you can't have it to be the Senate president because the Senate president was most likely appointed by the person who you were impeaching. And as such, you likely want to make sure to have somebody that's at least somewhat unbiased but you know the, the idea that Mitch McConnell would be able to prevent anything in the Senate from happening I don't think that's the case I don't think that's going to be uh problems <laughs> verbal blade uh, verbal bite I'm sorry Biden has tons of problems hardly needs hardly need to ask Ukraine well you know Donald Trump is going to do whatever he uh can do in order to get as much dirt as possible and uh, I think this is going to be a circumstance where maybe he oversteps. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of examples where you just give people enough rope and they'll hang themselves, but they don't do that. They just want to go overboard, and at the end of the day, they wind up uh, tripping over their own efforts. Um, let's see, what are some other issues that conservatives seem to be having? Um, you know, the, on the show I heard earlier today, people were saying, well, well, why don't they just vote? Why don't they just vote for impeachment now because they don't have the votes because everyone's not unified? Well, you know, the Nixon impeachment started with an inquiry. Uh, I think the impeachment of Johnson uh, took several attempts before it actually went through. But you've got to start with the inquiry. You've got to put all your ducks in a row. You've got to say, look, here is, the, uh, here, here is the information on the call to Ukraine. Here's the information on, that was talked about in the Mueller report. Here is the obstruction of justice uh, that, you know, when he tried to send a non-White House staffer to go send a message to Jeff Sessions to try and get him to resign or what have you. You have all these, you know, all of these little cases that can be built up. And there are a lot of people, even conservatives, I think Judge Napolitano, who is, you know, very well-known, very conservative person. And he basically said, look, you know, this this example right here is, is bad. It's bad news for the president. So now, again, every time a conservative turns on Trump, that person is somehow a closet liberal. John Bolton, you know, somehow was called a liberal. Anybody who knows John Bolton or knows of John Bolton knows that John Bolton is not is absolutely not a liberal. Uh, said Biden is a brain surgery patient showing real bad. I mean, uh, Biden has had some. Biden has had some, you know, blunders obviously during the campaign, um, but he he's still very popular. And, you know, the mental capacity of the current person who's sitting in the office of the in, of the presidency, who sits in that Oval Office, who's the president of our country, 
I'm not very impressed with his brain capacity either. And he won. It's just a matter of who the voters are going to vote for. If Biden can get the win in the end, I'm vote blue no matter who. I mean, if you had to twist my arm and say who I supported as of right now, probably Warren over Biden. Um, But if Bernie gets it, I'm totally going to vote for Bernie enthusiastically and wholeheartedly. If Pete Buttigieg gets it, I'll enthusiastically vote for Pete Buttigieg wholeheartedly. It's Sanders, Biden, Warren. I'll hold my nose if it have to be kind of Kamala. I don't think Kamala Harris is going to win. She's plummeting in the polls. I think there's something else Trump wants out of the Ukraine. Um, it's, it's interesting to, to suggest that maybe Trump wants something else. Uh, I would definitely like to see, I mean, if you maybe have an idea what it is, or maybe it's just an ex- that we just don't know, and maybe there's something that he's, he, some sort of secret plot that you might think he's going after. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think Donald Trump is that complicated, though. I, I, I mean, it's possible. I don't think he's that complicated. He's a very simple kind of man. Uh, to quote, was it Seeger? Um, I don't think that he, uh, I don't think that he's he's going to be person. I mean, somebody else, you know, could potentially be pulling some strings and and pulling some intrigue back there. But I don't think Trump, in and of itself, can handle much complicated stuff it's i mean he he took the millions of dollars that he got from his father and had he just invested it in mutual not i don't know if it's mutual funds but in, in, in some sort of fund uh he probably would have had more money today than he would have running his own businesses so i don't i don't think trump's that complicated i don't think there's that much i mean that, that, that's one thing that some of the conservatives really like about him is, is what you see is what you get uh, with him. And unfortunately, what they see is something that's really good. And what we see is something that's really terrible. Um, again, no time, there's, there's you know, conservatives have said about, you know, there's, there's no timetable, so it's kind of weak sauce right now. Well, maybe, but again, you have to get all your ducks in a row. Um, you know, so what would happen, you know, it's an interesting topic and maybe I could spend more time talking about another day because we do have our guests coming up in a few minutes. Uh, However, what would happen if Trump were to lose power? What would happen if he were successfully impeached and successfully convicted on the articles of impeachment and, or what would happen if he loses the election? Um, I I, I kind of more focus on the losing of the election thing, because again, I don't think they're going to convict on impeachment. Um, Let's see. I'm not sure, but I believe Trump has declared bankruptcy four times. Uh, I think it's more correct to say that he his businesses declared bankruptcy four times. And unfortunately, bankruptcy is something that can be abused by businesses. Um, like, I mean, look at Mitt Romney and what he did with KB Toys, with Bain Capital. And you have a situation where they basically just turned Bain Capital over and shake, shook it out for all of the pennies that it could get from the couch, so to speak. And then they just let paint, they let KB toys just wither away and die. Um, abusing bankruptcy, getting out of whatever um, you might have, because we have this horrible thing that allows for uh, business people to abuse bankruptcy. Um, so, so I don't necessarily think that he um, potentially had, I mean, yeah, some of his business may have just simply failed like Trump stakes, for example, might have just simply failed. But I think there are other examples where Trump has clearly shown that he's willing to abuse laws uh, to to punish uh, people who previously done work for him. So, but but again, as I was saying, what, what what would happen if Trump were to lose? Hopefully, at the end of the, I mean, I think there's two two examples that, or there's three possibilities I can think of. First of all, he could just leave office and just you know just go on to live his life. Who knows? Maybe that might happen. Um, he could. For example, uh, just say, okay, I'm screwed. I'm going to be sued out the yin-yang now that I'm no longer in office. So let me just hop on a plane and go to a country with no extradition. Or he might do the coup thing. And, you know, he has, he's trying to stack the Supreme Court with all of his supporters. And he has, you know, people in the Senate currently at least behind him. Um, Maybe he tries and convince people that maybe he just doesn't want to give up power. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? I hope 
I hope we do have to find out and see what he does. And hopefully it's not him refusing to give up the reins of power. But anyway, let's go ahead and take our next commercial break. Uh, be back with your phone calls as well. Area code 914-803-4131. That's area code 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. For some reason, this didn't play. Okay, there we go. Uh, so again, call in the show is 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And you can also, uh, we do have someone in the chat room as well who's asking questions and leaving comments. And you're more than welcome to join as well and do that. Uh, you can also, after the show, leave your comments on the show thread at liberaldan.com or over on facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Um, before we get to our guest, I do want to go ahead and play uh, this week's Hypocrite of the Week. This week's Hypocrite of the Week are the conservatives who are being critical of Greta Thunberg, saying that she's a pawn, that she's a victim of child abuse, or even saying that her use is akin to Nazi propaganda. Yet none of these conservatives complained when Trump paraded out these so-called freedom girls in front of his brown shirt, I mean campaign rallies. At least Thunberg isn't using words like Ameritude. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune into Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. The worst thing about making this, that Hypocrite of the Week bit, by the way, is the fact that I had to go actually watch that horrible song that they sung again and had to listen to all of the ridiculous words that they came up with, and it took me a, a, a couple hours to get that horrible song out of my head. So uh, I do not recommend revisiting that harmonist. Although it did, I think they wound up suing the Trump campaign because just like everybody else, I, I think Donald Trump didn't want to pay them. So if that tells you anything about his integrity is he refused to pay pay these three young women, young girl. I mean, one they were really young and they just refused to pay. It's just sad. Anyway, so every week for the past month and a half, maybe almost two months now, I've been having my blue wave segments talking about uh, candidates for Congress who are seeking to push, uh, potentially push Congress a little more to the left. And this week is, uh, I'm more than happy to welcome on uh, Zenas Fazakis, who is a candidate in the ninth congressional district of New Jersey. Uh, Welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Dan. It's great to be on. Uh, just maybe give yourself, give a little introduction. Let everybody know why you uh, why you decided to throw your hat in the ring, and uh, maybe you know 
Just go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks. The, well, I decided, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not the type that would have, you know, asked me last year at this time, would I ever run for office? I would have been like, are you crazy? Um, I just so a little bit of background on myself and you'll understand why I decided to run. Um, I spent uh, the better part of the last 25 years building and operating companies. And most recently, I've been working in the clean energy field. Um, I've also been an environmental activist working on energy policy, uh, carbon pricing, and uh, dividend legislation. Uh, and I, so I thought I was doing my part uh, in order to address uh, curbing emissions and the climate crisis. I'm also a mother, and I've got two young children, so I've got real skin in the game here. Um, but then the U.N., uh, published its uh, IPCC report. It stands for uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, in which, uh, well, when you have a collection of the world's best climatologists telling you you've got 12 years to cut emissions in half, um, otherwise we have some you know, runaway greenhouse effect, uh, you sit up and take notice. The 12 years terrified me, and it's not because it was a long time. Every single climate model that I've ever studied has always overestimated the amount of time in which we have to react uh, to the crisis. Um, things are accelerating. Um, and every, every piece, there's a, it looks like there's a piece of news every other week about how whether the o ocean is acidifying faster, we've got burning in the Amazon, uh, glaciers are melting, you know, 70 years ahead of schedule, that 12 years for me is a handful of years. Um, mm -hmm. and, that, and that was just terrifying to me. And I thought to myself, and, you know, I'm running a primary challenge against the Democrat who's been in office since the 1990s. And when I examined his record, uh, really took a deep dive on his record, and he's run pretty much un uncontested for, you know, most of his career. Um, I found it lacking on on dealing with climate change, on trying to curb emissions, uh, on showing any sort of leadership in energy transitions or decarbonizing uh, the economy. Um, so I said, you know what? I've got two kids. I don't want to be I don't want to be that grandmother in 50 years when one of my grandchildren says, Grandma, what did you do when there was still time? to do something about it, and you were certainly qualified to do something about it, what did you do? I have to have a good answer. Um, and huh. I'm, I'm doing this for our children. Uh, it's plain and simple. Um, it's a progressive platform, um, you know, but the my, my sort of hallmark issue, given my background um, and my expertise, is, uh, uh, is in transitioning, industry transitioning, um, uh, energy grids and power systems to um, – to renewable technologies, frankly. Um, and there's very, various ways of doing that. So uh, we could talk about it if you want to get really technical. But um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a software development sense. guy, so I do love I love delving into the nitty-gritty, but I do want to talk about all of the issues, plus maybe fit in a little yeah. nerd stuff there at the end. But uh, <laughs> um, so what would you say to people who, you know, because there's – I listen to a conservative, conservative radio show early in the morning. Uh, a lot of times it's just show prep. Uh, just to hear what the other side is thinking so I can kind of counteract it. But uh, what would you say to people who do, um, who, who point back at other, you know, predictions who, who, that turn out to be necessarily, you know, you know, not correct, like, like, like people who might doubt that, you know, 12 years, for example, is, uh, is, is, you know, way too um, soon that they don't think it's going to happen in 12, that, that they think there's more time than that. Like, how do you, how do you respond to the people <laughs> Uh, well, that's actually that's right now. That's a pretty easy thing to point to. Now, whether you know, I, this last July was probably the warmest in the Arctic. Um, some ice sheets permanently melted in Greenland. Now, th this is permanent ice loss. These, if you had gone back to the to the to the to the data a few years ago, scientists were predicting, okay, we've got about 50 years before these ice sheets go. They well, they went away. They went away in one summer. And that's a permanent loss. We're not going to see them back in our lifetime, and that's raised sea levels um, by a fraction of an inch or something. It is happening now. Whether you want to look at the data, whether you want to admit it, um, that is something I can't, I can't, I can't control what, whether people want to realize what's happening sure. in front of their eyes or not. Um, but, you know, it's, you know I, used to, I used to really, you know, hit my head against the wall, you know, thinking I'm like, why don't these people – why don't they just understand the science? Okay, you don't have to. You don't have to be a physicist to understand to understand what's happening. You know, you just need an open mind. And I've come to realize that this is a scary topic. This is a really scary topic. It's not only complicated, but it's also scary. I mean, who who 
it would be much easier for me to, you know, if, if to, 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 to sort of close my eyes and, and ignore it, you know, at least for the t- at least from my day to day, I won't be as stressed out, but it is a scary topic. It is happening. I think part of being a leader in Congress is actually talking about it. Right. Um, right. Like you don't, you don't hear a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, and you know, definitely you don't hear a lot of Republicans, but there are a lot of Democrats who really just don't talk about it day to day. And, you know, people ask me, I'm like, why are you so stuck on this? I said, I'm, I'm not really stuck on it. I have, I have other issues that are important to me, whether it's Medicare for all or anything else. And we can talk about those, but if we don't address this, then nothing else is going to matter. Um, and Oh, by the way, if you address this properly, you can build a better society. You can build a better economy. You can build, you know, jobs. You can create green jobs that are not easily exported. You know, there's all these benefits that can come from addressing this um, if we can just get past the fear. Um, so we're back to your question. You know, it's now it's pretty easy to point to, like, things that are happening around the world um, that, you know, here it is, this ocean, ocean acidification. We are having massive die-offs in fish. People are not going to be able to feed themselves in a few years. It is happening now. There are, I mean, I'll give you uh, something really scary that happened. Last, this was last May in India. I forget the part of India, but um, there was a tremendous heat wave. I think it had gone up to 124 degrees Fahrenheit. Entire villages were abandoned because farmers cannot grow you can't grow you can't grow food at, a, at 124 degrees you know you right. can't grow anything not only that but your livestock drops dead i mean you're done if you're if you're a if you're a, a parent in a household like that and you see you see that you can't feed your children you're going to abandon your uh, your village oh and oh by the way that what comes along with that is no access to fresh water right. you're going to abandon you know you're going to abandon that Climate migrations. What did we just see with uh, with the with the recent hurricane a couple of weeks ago? I mean, when you have a level five hurricane churning over an island for 40 hours, it's going to flatten it. Climate migration. We had a cruise ship come over from the Bahamas. The Trump administration turned them away. That's going to that's going to continuously happen. It's going to get a lot worse as uh, as uh, you know as as the years go in, in very short order uh, because of extreme climate events, but. Um, I hope I answered your question. Uh, yeah, no, that's I mean that's perfect. I mean, I I I I don't I don't obviously didn't disbelieve you. I, I do support you know climate change legislation. I mean, we do have our our listener in the chat room who doesn't believe that the world is going to end in 12 years. But you know the 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 thing that I I always point out to the people that want to say you know well there is there are, there are plenty of scientists who disagree. I mean, well, plenty of scientists numerically might be like hundreds, but as opposed to the thousands and thousands who disagree, you know, it's really a minority uh, that that yeah. that do disagree. Um, but you know, the, the, the simple of it is is that we benefit if we, you know, get energy in a much cleaner way because we're not dumping things into our waterways. We're not we're not put, putting things into the air that we breathe. Uh, you know, we're better off if we're able to, you know, plant more trees and, and instead of deforestation that, that goes on, like in South South America, that, you know, Trump doesn't want to do anything about. Uh, yeah. If we get more green, we, we, we better our quality of life. And even if you don't want to believe the, that the world is going to end, if we don't do something now, we're still going to make our world better if we do these things mm-hmm. and if we transition, like, you know, people say one thing I do wish Democrats would do a better job of what you mentioned was that, you know, if you do this Green New Deal, you can have jobs, you can train individuals for jobs, you can move people from coal to building solar panels, you know, you can move people from building, you know, from from having to drill for gas to help them you know, build wind turbines and other such, you know, alternative forms of energy that would enable us to uh, not, you know, in Louisiana, for example, ruin our coastline by all the drilling that goes yeah. on. Not, you know, we we can better ourselves by improving, uh, by by improving our our green economy. And and I don't I don't see I understand that there are like especially here in Louisiana there are a lot of people who who work in oil and it's 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 scary to them to say hey you're gonna lose your you're gonna lose your oil jobs because we want to move away from oil. I mean. Technically, I work in the oil industry as well. I mean, I I I work in a compliance aspect of it. I, I write code to help mm-hmm. people comply with the regulations that are there. Uh, so more regulations probably are better for me. Uh, but even even so, even if, if if my job were to eventually have to go away and I'd have to find a job 
programming wind turbines and other, you know, solar systems or programming things in solar systems instead, solar panel systems or whatever. I'm fine with that because we need to move on. We need to move to the future. So, um, but I mean, obviously you're not just progressive on the environment and there are other issues that you, uh, you support. You did say Medicare for all. Um, and, and I've, I've previously held a more, you know, what I would call a pragmatic approach, which was that as long as we get there at some point, we get there. However, um, you know, we do need to, get to Medicare for all much more quickly because of the fact that you, you just can't trust the insurance industry more than you can, you know, further you could throw them. I mean, there, there's just yeah. so many things that happened in, in, in billing, you know, I go to the doctor and I tell them, look, this is my insurance. Please make sure everything's covered by insurance. And then you get thrown a bill at you because the anesthesiologist wasn't in network. You know, there's no requirements right. for people to be in network. There's no requirements for, for them to send you to uh, to a pharmacy that's going to be, you know, it's going to be covered. I, I've had pharmacies that were not in network. I had to move my prescriptions. At the end of the day, if we mm-hmm. have Medicare for all, everything's in network. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's uh, Medicare for all. Is it, it's uh, there's there's the moral aspect, but I mean, I've got an MBA, right? Uh, and then there's the sort of like the uh, sort of looking at it from a business perspective. I mean, morally, look, we can't have 30 million people without health insurance. We cannot have in the wealthiest country in the history of humanity having people because they can't afford their medication. I mean, there was an article today that just came out. Apparently, the cost of uh, uh, of an employer provided health care plan now for a family of four is uh, north of $20,000, and it increased according to the Kaiser Foundation, about 5% since last year. That is, uh, and, and that 5 to 6% growth rate is, has been pretty consistent. Now, that's double inflation, okay? And even, you know, they say, okay, well, it's your employer providing it. I can tell you right now, having, having I was a COO in a prior life, having been a COO, I can tell you that even though we may be picking up 80%, even though businesses may be picking up 80% of the bill, I can tell you that 80% is not going towards your 401k or to job training or, hell, even wage increases, right? There's a reason why we've seen wage stagnation. But, you know, if you look at health care just from a 36,000-foot 36, level, right, you've got it's $3.5 trillion industry, right? About a third of that, or let's say a trillion dollars, is just in administration. Okay. Now, every country in the world has a certain amount of administration. The United States, however, holds the record. It is more than double uh, our next um, uh, uh, if you look at a country, you know, if you look at our cohorts of like the 10 sort of most wealthiest countries in the world, we're about double uh, of our GDP uh, we spend uh, per capita on healthcare than our closest neighbor, right? Um, in our wealthy group of neighbors. Um, and why is that? Well, we have, you know, I don't know, hundred, I don't know how many plans we have to administer. It's administration. That is, if you look, there was a recent journal of uh, the American Medical Association came out and did a really in-depth analysis of uh, what the cost drivers are for healthcare costs. The first one was over was administrative costs, uh, followed by uh, pharmaceuticals and medical devices, and you know, yada yada yada. Those were like the big three. Um, if we can eliminate, if we can eliminate, you know, even even a fraction of that trillion dollars in healthcare, I mean, that goes back that goes back into the economy. That whether that's um, you know a, a company paying you know their employee more or, or bigger bonuses or 401ks or whatever, or even job training, frankly, or investing in the company, right? I mean, I think businesses want it. Um, uh, at least I know, as having been a chief operating officer, if somebody said, okay. You're going to be, you're going to have to pay this additional sort of payroll tax, but hey, we're getting rid of all this excess fat. It is an industry ripe for disruption. I mean, if you know, and it, it's a, it's a huge industry, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are trying to do it, but it is such, it is set up in such a way um, that it, 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 it's the normal laws of supply and demand don't work. You got when you look at an economic system. Let's let's look at healthcare, and I'm going to get a little technical here. So you've sure. got who pays for it? who pays for it, who uh, uh, who buys it, who uses it, and who provides it. Okay, those four entities in healthcare are completely separated, right? And then sometimes they're like at arm's length, right? So people say, well, what if we start publishing, you know? 
price lists of hospitals so people can make informed choices. I'm like, yeah, it's not really it, – that's been done in other countries. It has never moved the needle because um, – it won't move the needle here because I, as a purchase, I'm not buying from the hospital. I'm the user, right? My company right. is paying for it. The hospital is providing it. Right. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, you, so you've got all these like, this very sort of intricate relationship of people. And I get the, I can't negotiate with the, with the, with the, uh, with the product provider. I can't in a normal sort of economic system probably could, but it, that's, that wouldn't even work. And so when you have, it is, it is a perverse set. I mean, it's actually from an economic, and I'm, look, I'm a Chicago MBA conservative school. It is a perverse, perverse set of incentives built right into the healthcare system. And, you know, frankly, I, as a, as a pharmaceutical or, or health insurance company, I mean, if I was a CEO, the only thing I care about is shareholder profits. And that, what does that mean? That means dropping the cost or, you know, not paying for as many, you know, things that people need and increasing uh, profit and, you know, or i.e. making them more expensive. So, you know, there's no incentive um, for them to do anything else. Now, one of my, one of my proposals in getting to a Medicare for all sort of system is, well, let's start, let's start looking at seriously regulating uh, prescription drug prices, right? Um, so there is precedent in the utility sector right now. Your utility can't charge you exorbitant amounts of money for the electricity you use. And part of the reason for that is because the government has basically granted them a monopoly in order to provide you with the electricity. Uh, the, right. the government says, okay, you can't charge too much. You can make your profits, reasonable profits. You need, you know, you need money for capital expenditures and operating the business and all that stuff, and that's fine, right? And paying dividends out to share, shareholders, fine. But you can't kill people. You know, if you, if you, you know, you can't cut off the electricity because some people won't be able to afford, and you know, it could threaten, threaten their lives potentially. One can imagine right. the scenario. The same thing with prescription drug prices. Now, the other thing that's interesting about the pharmaceutical industry is that a lot, um, a lot of the money that goes towards research and development, so especially for a lot of like newer uh, drugs, comes out of the NIH, National Institutes of Health. Right. So we have government-supported research and development. That goes in, the company takes that money, the IP, once the drug is developed, they own the, uh, the IP or the intellectual property, you know, um, and then they can, you know, whatever, <laughs> they can charge whatever they want for it. I mean, I can't, I as a taxpayer can't be sort of partially subsidizing the development of these new drugs and then get hit with like a thousand dollar, you know, uh, fee because I'm using an EpiPen or, or whatever, right. whatever drug I need. Right. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense, but you know. I mean, there's a whole money and politics issue that goes along with this. Why is this happening? Well, a lot of, you know, there's very little movement on anything like this because my personal cynical view is that, you know, there's just too many people get paid or get their campaigns funded through uh, large pharmaceutical donations. My own incumbent, uh, there was an article in his entire career, he's taken over $1.1 million from healthcare and pharmaceuticals. So he's not going to move on something like this. And, you know, and who cares about the people dying in this district? You know, I mean, that thing that just really irritates me. Um, so, you know, that, you know, I, so I view it, I view Medi I mean, I view Medicare for all, yes, it's a moral issue, but from an economic perspective, I mean, hell, I mean, there's just, it's just an inefficient system. Uh, that there are, there are problems, handled. you know, I supported the Affordable Care Act, you know, obviously, but, you know, they're probably the biggest problems with the Affordable Care Act is that, you know, with the, with the restrictions on medical loss ratios, where like you have to be like no more than eighty percent, um, you know, eighty twenty split or whatever with the medical loss ratios. All you have to do if you want to take more money and is just reimburse you reimburse your uh, doctors more, and then you can take more money. So it, it is, yeah. you might think to yourself, well, why why would an insurance company want to pay doctors more than what they have to? Well, because then they could take in more money and then charge everybody else more money in in premium. So it, it was uh, it's one of the, one of the bigger flaws in the in the mechanism. I mean, obviously it's better than what we had, but um, right. we, we do need to we need to, do need to move on and 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 become make make it even better uh, than before. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, you know the the idea that these uh, companies can not only just get subsidized from the tax from tax dollars and then charge exorbitant rates for the drugs that, that we help them create. Then they like flip a molecule or something after the twenty year patent yeah. and then they make a new patent. So it's quite easy to do that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? 
it's, uh, you know, you change one molecule on the end of a chain of a polymer chain and you've got a whole new, you know, um, a whole new product. Yeah. I mean, the Affordable Care Act, the, good, the great thing that the Affordable Care Act did was actually start the conversation, frankly. Um, right. You know, I, we, I don't think we'd be talking uh, about Medicare for all were it not for the ACA at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, the, the other thing that's interesting is that it did, it did nothing for medical bankruptcies. If you look at the rates of like medical bankruptcies before and after they haven't changed, uh, right. which was a surprise to me when I started really researching this, but, um, but you know, it did get the conversation going. So I'm very grateful for that. And it did cover a lot of people, although, although in the last couple of years, last year or so, uh, there's been some major attacks on it. Um, um, by the by, the current Republican administration, unfortunately. So. Well, sure. Once once they're able to, you know, once they decided to not do the mandate, I mean, that cuts the tooth, the teeth out of yeah. the, out of the requirement to have health insurance. And how do you fight anti-selection at that point? Which then you're you just going to cause you're you're, you're going to cause uh, insurance uh, insurance companies might actually then still go out of business because they can't. Mm-hmm. It no longer becomes insurance; it becomes a health savings plan. Uh, yeah. And then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there are a lot of absolutely other good issues that you uh, um, that you have on your website, which is zenaforcongress.com. And but I did before we go, um, let's talk some nerd stuff because you know you did point out to me that you're a nerd. You have on your Twitter account, you have you know that you're a Trekker and a Star Wars fan. So um, I know. What, what, I, what I get a lot of flack for that. Well, really? Why is that? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think there there's some hardcore Star Trek fans, and then there's some hardcore Star Wars fans, and a lot of people on both sides feel like you can't have both, <laughs> uh, like you can't be both. Um, but well, when people ask me Star Wars, when people ask me Star Wars or Star Trek, I'm like, why didn't you bring up Firefly? I mean, come on. <laughs> so um, yeah, the I mean, the Star. I mean, I have to say, Star Wars for me, I don't. I mean maybe because I started out life as an engineer, or maybe because as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, who the hell knows, but it, uh, it, my, my, my interest in science, I think for sure was started. Uh, my dad loved Star Trek, right? The original mm-hmm. back in like right. the late seventies, early eighties, when I sort of became conscious of these things. And I would watch that show. And they're like, when I look at it back now, when I look at it now, I'm like, God, there was some really bad acting in that show. But for yeah. some reason, um, you know, it's sort of, it's like, wow, I really want to go to space. Wow. You know, so I sort of went down that technical, uh, path and, uh, and I stayed on it for most of, most of my life. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the, the star, the Star Trek series, um, has been a nice, and I think this also of Star Wars too, has been a nice sort of mirror to what's happened to us sort of culturally as a society here in the United States. Right. Um, you know, I know there was, you know, with the recent um, with the recent Star Star Wars movies, where you know you have more of a le- female lead, you had more people, you know, people of color in it. You know, I know there was some you know, white supremacists I'd read online that were like very upset that you know the entire cast wasn't like white male. Um, uh, but it was it was nice to see, you know. And so I would take my I'll take my daughter, and so she she gets inspired by the Ray character, right? Because she's right. strong. And yet, you know, she's, it's okay to be, it's okay to be, you know, emotional about things. And yet she's strong and she's really fighting for something she believes in. And it's like, it's such a, it's such a great example for children, you know, uh, once they're old enough to understand, you know, to understand really what's been going on. So I, I hope, I hope it inspires my kids as much as it inspired me um, growing up. So. Yeah. Um, my dad, my dad also. I, yeah. Wait, what did you say? You don't speak no, what? no, I said I don't speak it. I, I don't speak any Klingon, so don't ask. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I know I know Kapla. That's about it. You know, yeah. that's that's probably about all that I know. Um, actually, I have a video of myself. Uh, me and my dad went to Universal Studios out in California, and we did a the Star Trek adventure. And so we both beamed down to the planet as the away team, and we uh, beat up a bunch of Klingons. So, um, oh, cool. that was that was really fun. And yeah. My dad also, you know, started my love of Star Trek as well. I mean, you know, late 70s, early 80s, be at his house and just, you know, watch episodes with him and then watch the movies and so on. And then, you know, I think I remember seeing, I think, I think the first one I saw in the theaters were probably Return of the Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, 
you know, again, yeah, I'm, I'm in tech too. I'm a software developer. I, you know, I've always had a love of computers and I'm sure, you know, the computers yeah. on, on Star Trek have always, you know, probably pushed that along as well. Um, I'm actually yeah. writing uh, after I, we finish up with this episode, I'm actually going to, um, I'm doing a writing class. I'm actually writing a sci-fi novel as well. Uh, so, oh, cool. yeah, so I'm definitely, uh, what, what it's on. Um, it's, there's, there's, there's a, uh, the, the brief synopsis is there's a, uh, um, an alien race who kind of reveals itself and seems to be a benevol- benevolent, um, but some people who are more xenophobic, uh, tend to mm-hmm. not, not believe in that, uh, in those things. And I, I do try and incorporate some of the xenophobic tropes that we've seen in the past couple of years in the book as well. Um, but, um, and then we'll you have to see there's this one main character who's kind of like a Han Solo type character. And he, uh, you know, he's kind of being pulled between all of the factions are kind of pulling at him, you know, to try and get them to be on his side. And then, you know, as, as he goes on, he learns more and and sees that the world is not really what it is. So, um, and also in the, in the meantime, I'm, I'm doing a, uh, there's a writing competition that's uh, NYC midnight uh, as a website Mm -hmm. that does it. And they'll give you like a random, um, genre location and item and you have to write a thousand word short story at least for this particular contest that i'm doing um and then i got like three points out of 15 in my first story but there's two rounds of stories uh so the first round my story was had to be um it had to be a romance was the genre on a tennis court and you had to incorporate a neck brace oh and so and then you had to (laughs) <laughs> and then you had to do it in a thousand words. Um, and oh. then the next, the next bunch I got, and, and all the, there's like groups of 30 people and, and all of the different groups, there's like a, over a hundred groups and all, every group got something different. So like this time, I think one of my friends was a detention room, a room for detention, a, mm-hmm. um, a, a ghost story and a mouse. Like they had to incorporate a mouse into it. And, but wow. mine this time, Mine this time was um, a horror genre in a halfway house and tap shoes. So, oh god, and I can that I can actually t- <laughs> I, I I think I managed to do a good job with the second one. I think I might score more points with this one, but I don't think I'm going to move on to the to the next round because of the uh, few the little amount of points that I got in the first round. So, but anyway. Um, I'll send you the links to the story and maybe if you want to take a peek at it in your, in your busy schedule. I know when I ran for Congress <laughs> back in like 2004, um, it was, I hardly had time to do anything. So, so I know it, it can be very, it, it's, it's a very busy thing to do. But again, I really much yeah. appreciate you coming onto the show. I mean, I, I could just let you talk for a whole half hour and not even set a peep and you would have just filled the whole half hour. So, I mean, that, that goes to show how just knowledgeable you are on, on, this, on the subject matter. Um, and so, and you're welcome to come back on the show anytime you want. If you have any big announcements, you want to do anything else, uh, talk about more nerd stuff, be more than happy to have you back on. And again, it's uh, xenaforcongress.com. And you also have uh, Zspezakis, Z-S-P-E-Z-A-K-I-S on Twitter. Um, any final thoughts before you go? Uh, no, I just want to say thank you very much. And uh, I think uh, we are at a turning point in our politics, and I'm really hopeful for the 2020 election. So I think it's going to be a critical election. Uh, get people out there, people vote, get people registered, and get them out voting because we, we need the turnout. We do. Absolutely great. Thank we you do. so much yeah. for coming on, and you have a good rest of your night and the rest of your week. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. You're very welcome. And I do want to also thank uh, Vorpal Byte for I didn't have much time to answer the rest of the stuff that you posted on the uh, in the chat thread. Um, there was I do uh, I, I do agree with you that um, the, the ending of Game of Thrones um, was 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 probably could have been better. Um, you know, we should have talked about Orville. Orville was was is, is a great show. If anybody hasn't seen Orville. Um, I thought it was just going to be a goofy, just making fun of Star Trek show, and they made some serious points there. There was a couple of episodes that really harkened back to um, to some older TNG episodes. And anyway, again, I, I could talk about nerd stuff all I want, but I have to go write some nerd stuff myself, so I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Thank you, uh, Zena Spazakis, for coming on the program. Thank you, Vorpal Bite in the chat room. 
Come back next week again, 8 p.m. Central, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, again, you can, if you're following me during the week, it's uh, Facebook.com slash LiberalDan and at LiberalDanRadio on Twitter. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right.